What's going on, folks? Welcome to an emergency episode of the Knicks Ball Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kyle Maggio, here with the longtime host of the Knicks, uh, Knicks Ball Podcast, the editor, the producer, the everything man, Anthony Corvo. What is going on? And welcome back, buddy. Uh, what is up, everybody? It's good to be back home. And uh, also with me, TKW Social uh, Media Coordinator. TKW long, Socialist. Longtime... Uh, Joke man on Twitter, Aaron Summers. What's going on? Not much, man. Not much. Just uh, just getting ready to talk talk about talk about some news, some good news, some bad news for a lot of people. But it is what it is. So yeah. So I mean, we're here today because uh, Woj returned from suspension triumphantly to tell us that Tom Thibodeau, as expected, as most of us expected anyway. I, I don't know if you guys uh, felt whether or not you liked Tibbs, if he was not going to be the man for the job. But it seemed like uh, this was pretty clear since about February that they were headed in this direction, that he was pretty much pegged for the job. Um, so not really a huge surprise. Uh, it's a five-year deal, which that was a little interesting. But uh, I'm – do you now how do you guys feel about this? Do you think he's going to make it through two years of this deal? What are your thoughts – Initial gut reaction that we know it's sort of official. The Knicks haven't made it official yet, but per per Woj, which you know, if he says it, then it's pretty much official. But I was really hoping, I was really hoping Woj's first like first big tweet, whatever he said, he just put "I'm back" at the end. Like I was, I was, I was really hoping he said something like that. But uh, no, uh, five years, five years seems like a lot, but it seems like every coach like if if you believe in your guy you're gonna give him at least four or five years I think Fizz initially got four which is crazy to think about but uh well yeah that, I, I hope I hope I hope he makes a pass too it, it's it's hard for a Knicks coach to make a pass too so I mean if he does that I guess he's he's done his part right if he makes it to two it's uh, he makes it to four it's kind of my thinking like with the like the Knicks don't have a lot of leeway we've seen in the past where it's you know if if they're if they have that bad first year They'll get a couple of games into that second year, but if they don't, if they, you know, they're, if they make it through that whole second year, we saw it with Fizdale where he got a very short leash at the beginning. So, and my my thing is, if he makes it through two, then he's going to make it to at least four. That fifth one's always a little bit tricky because you never know, like, if they're going to try to get someone new in or if they're going to extend them at that point. So that fifth one becomes a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a wild card there, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this next year, it's going to be kind of critical. I don't know what our, I mean, we'll probably talk about free agents and stuff in a little bit, but like, I don't know what his, um, you know, I, I don't know what they're expecting of him in year one, but I feel like if he has a, a relative success in year one, starts year two off strong, he's going to be our guy for a little while now. So what I want to pose to you guys is with, with Tibbs, there's a lot you know, to be said, or you know, a lot to be desired about his evolution over time as a coach, uh, has his lack of change. He's been kind of stuck in his ways, whether it's uh, playing certain guys exceedingly big minutes, which is a, you know, red flag for some, especially in the age of modern medicine, when, uh, you know, guys are sitting routinely now instead of playing every night, 35, 36, 37, 38 minutes. Um, so are you guys more concerned about some of these things, I guess, or are you more like, look, man, like he's not great, but it may be, but this is where I'm at. Like, I don't think he's great per se, but it's like at worst, right? Like I'm trying to look at the context of the situation. We have RJ Barrett, who's a pretty coachable kid, right? Like maybe it works if they're going to actually lean into like, we're not trading RJ or Mitch, you know, we're just looking to acquire someone else. Then maybe it isn't the worst thing. Maybe he's a disciplinarian guy, right? He's going to hold you accountable. You know, RJ seems to like that. He's a hard worker. Uh, maybe that helps. Maybe that helps with Frank Nielakina getting something extra out of him for the first time in three years, you know? Maybe there is something from a 
for a young group uh, that he can get, you know, something more out of them, I guess, right? But it's it's that, or do we simply think this was a hire where it was like veteran coach, uh, this rebuild that did not work. We just hired, Le- you know, Leon Rose, World Wide West. Like this is yet another indication that they're just going to blow this thing up at some point. They're looking to get a star some way, somehow. And like, that's what they're kind of building for a veteran presence, a, a veteran coach, like uh, a connected front office. Like, cause I've also seen that argument too. I think there's a lot of like, we have to like kind of consider what they, what we actually have with this roster and where they want to go with it. Um, you know, we were joking about Kevin Knox before the uh, podcast started and how Leon Rose, you know, it's already kind of already looking for ways that maybe he can start offloading Kevin Knox. I think that's kind of maybe a way of seeing that we're not going to, we're not going to wait around and see if guys are going to become what we hope they'd be or give them as long of a leash as maybe they've had in the last couple of years, even despite all the turmoil with the team in that time. Um, I think they're, they're going to be trying to get what they can get for certain players. I think they're evaluating the roster right now, though, and seeing where their strengths might be. Um, I, part of me doesn't really expect a lot of those guys who got signed on those um, you know, uh, team option deals or non-guarantees last summer to be sticking around. I really don't think Bobby Portis is going to be sticking around. Um, but I think that, you know, we could be taking a look at some of the younger guys we have, like uh, Frank Nielakina in particular, I think might excel. So I think we might be seeing a little bit of a mixture of, you know, really evaluating the current talent we have on the roster, seeing what sticks, and then going after, you know, what somebody, you know, not necessarily gap fillers, but you're looking for ceiling raisers more than I think necessarily floor raisers when you go out for free agency this, uh, this summer or this fall, I suppose. Right. Yeah. I think for, as far as the minute standpoint, it's kind of a catch 22 because at the end of the season, we all wanted the young guys to play more. Mitchell Robinson didn't start. He barely, he barely started. A lot of us wanted to see Frank more. Um, and then now we get Tibbs who plays a lot of minutes and now we're a lot of people are worried about playing too much. So it's kind of, it's kind of pick your poison sort of thing. Yes. But, um, as, as far as, as far as that, I'm, I'm sort of right now with the mindset of at least most part, the biggest thing that Tibbs is going to give us is something that we don't have, which is identity, right? We know, we know what we're going to get out of a Tom Thibodeau coach team. And I think as far as the past few years, there really hasn't been any sort of identity. You can't look at the Knicks and say, okay, well, what, what do they bring to the table every night? There's really nothing because it's been different every game, every week, every month sort of thing. So as, as, as far as that, at least, at least we know what we're going to get. Um, I know you mentioned it in a few tweets, Kyle, um, as far as far as your initial thoughts. RJ is probably going to be the workhorse now. We, we, know, we know there's going to be more accountability in, in, on the defensive end and just in general with the team. So I think we're going we're to get those things. As far, but I think the biggest thing as far as what every question is going to be is Tibbs' evolution on offense. We don't know. We don't know if he's going, if he has evolved or if he's willing to evolve or he's going to just stick to his stuff. So I think that's the biggest question mark. But me, I'm fine. I'm fine with what we know of Thibodeau. And if history repeats itself, I think we're at least, if if anything, we're getting culture and identity. Yeah, that's, that's my hope. Like that, that to me is the hope. I just hope he, he gives, you know, RJ a little bit more responsibility, lets him actually, you know, go out there and, and, you know, handle the ball as a as a main facilitator from time to time. Like I'm sure they're gonna try to go point guard in the draft. I would hope that's uh, it's the obvious thing to do, both from you know BPA perspective, uh, with likely who's gonna be there, and with uh, you know just in general, we never have a point guard, and that's what RJ and Mitch need now. But um, I would hope that you know he's gonna give RJ a little bit more responsibility, and he just plays the guys that make sense, like. You know, we know that the front office has put out there that they like Frank and they want to make him a, a a big part of whatever they're trying to do, which is okay. Either they're trying to raise his trade value up or they actually mean that. So either way, whatever, it is what it is. But um, 
again, in theory, Mitch is, would have to play for a Tom Thibodeau, you know, team. He just would have to. He would have to play. He'd have to play 30-something minutes a night. He just – so, for me, like, the minutes thing is, like, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure, I'm sure the minutes are going to be up. But the alternative was, like, why is RJ riding the bench for, you know, primetime Julius Randle down the stretch every single night? You know what I mean? It was, like – it was a little too much. It was, like, I get, like, checking your rookies, but it was, like, it was a little too much. So, We'll see. We'll see. Like, I, I don't want to ever assume any trades or anything like that's coming, but I'd like to assume that, like, I, I don't think he's the guy per se, but just I, I, somebody to get them, like, in some kind of direction. Like, maybe he, he only makes them, like, a 33, 35 one team again, and then it's time for the next coach. You know, who knows? But I think you got to start somewhere, and I think Thibodeau, when, when you're in, like, 20-something win territory, is a fine place to start. And then, right. And then, um, oh. Sorry, Corbo, but um, no, uh, no, go ahead. I think, I think, I think for Leon Rose, I think for him, the biggest thing is for him, he has he he's well connected with Tibbs. It's a safe pick, so he's coming in initially. He wants to, pro- more than likely, he probably wants to do what he feels the most comfortable with. He probably felt the most comfortable with Tibbs, somebody he knows, and then after that, he can go from there. Like you said, if, if this isn't if this isn't the right move two, three, three years down the line, if they are some sort of 35 win team, maybe less knowing the Knicks, it could be that way. But um, then you find somebody else. But I think right now you just go with familiarity or for him, for, for Leon, that is, you just go, uh, I think that was, that was had part to do. I'm not saying that was it, but that probably had a lot to do with it. Just going with familiarity to, to start with and not trying to make a, make a move and try to make a big splash. Oh yeah, and that that familiarity is important too, because that's you know we're that means we're starting off at a place you know it's going to be a long time still, which is kind of funny. Like before we even get to see any effects of this coaching hire, you know we don't even really know the next time the Knicks are going to be on the court. Um, but when you you know you kind of look at where we're starting from, and it, it's so I think it's important that we're all kind of in lockstep here, you know. We have the Leon Rhodes and we have the Tom Thibodeau uh, relationship already built. It seems like they have similar visions for where we're going, where where this team's going to go. And like Kyle was saying, you know, if this team does end up becoming a 32, you know, to 35 win team next year, that's a pretty massive step up from where you know they were now, which was 21 and 45, you know, in the in the shortened season. So, I mean, even if we can get up there, I, I would imagine the way that we do that is by signing a few more veteran players and you know really kind of fortifying that that bench and, you know, getting a little bit of a leap up out of our starters and hopefully a high draft pick too. But, like, one of the other things I kind of wanted to point out, and this is kind of, um, you know, this is, this is kind of a tangent for where we are right now, but as far as, like, some players that Thibodeau has done well with in the past, it seemed to be older point guards. Um, and I think that could be really valuable to, you know, our guards' development, to our – uh, you know, I think inevitably our pick in this year's draft is going to be a point guard if they end up keeping the pick at this point. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you've seen what he's done with like Jeff Teague. He had like, you know, Derek Rose through a lot of his career, including the later years. Uh, even like smaller time guys like Kirk Heinrich and Eric Brooks and stuff like that. Like he's managed to get a good amount out of like, you know, I would say league average older point guards. And I think that could make a big difference for this team who seemed to have kind of no direction on where the ball was going on the court last year. Yeah. Just, you gotta, you gotta start somewhere. And I think, you know, obviously point guard is going to be a big, uh, big point, you know, going for the uh, future here with the Knicks, obviously, but also uh, a big thing I'd like to point out with that too, is Tibbs has had relative success with point guards over time. Like, in Chicago, I feel like he used 12 different point guards after Derrick Rose went down. And, you know, there was those inconsistencies. Obviously, Nate Robinson was a, a nice story for them. He was a killer for them in the playoffs. Uh, that you know, starting backcourt of Nate Robinson and Kirk Heinrich actually worked out way right. better than I think anyone expected you know, it was J- going to. John Lucas the third, like, you know, I know we remember it. Yeah, so it – I mean, like, he's he's done enough there. You know what I mean? Like, he also took in a young Derrick Rose and was able to help him turn into something bigger. You know, I think Rose was going to be a star anyway. But, it, you know, it still happened under his tenure. You know what I mean? An MVP st- season still happened under his tenure. Guys like, you know, 
Jeff Teague uh, is a good example, like later on too in Minnesota in my, cause like he was cooked coming out of uh, Atlanta, you know, looked really, like it. yeah. And, and, you know, he managed to get a, another two good years out of him after that. So D- decent, decent. I'm no Jeff Teague fan here. Let's relax a little bit. Decent. Decent, I, but, but, but you know, you still but, had a guy who would, you know, a, he was averaging pretty good numbers on that team. But he was, you, you know, he, I don't remember if he was starting or backing but, up Rose, but still. But, but also on top of that, like even helping Jimmy turn into not just like a wing, but like an actual offensive facilitator, you know what I mean? An, an actual guard who, who can play like a, like a point guard from time to time. Cause you've seen Jimmy do it, especially a lot the last couple of years where he, he doesn't care to score 20 points or he, he's just going to be like, well, I'm going to get 12 points you know, eight rebounds and seven assists tonight. Like, that's just going to be my night. And that's what he does. So it's like he's helped kind of get some of these guys along too, especially guys who have the ball in their hands a lot. So it's like for a team looking to either put the ball in R.J. Barrett's hands more moving forward or a LaMelo Ball's hand moving forward, if, if that's the guy they ultimately try to trade up and get and make a move for, uh, or they throw some money on at a Fred Van Bleed if the lottery or the trades don't work their way. Like, whatever the case may be, like, they got to do something to get somebody in here because to me, I feel like that's going to make or break the tips thing. Like you have a, a guy in the wing that you plan on using in RJ, you have that backbone to your defense in Mitch. Like the next thing is a guy who's going to be able to launch some threes, a guy who's going to be able to play make, you know, an actual real point guard, which we never have here. So give Tibbs that, see what happens. I, again, I'm not like, super high of what he's going to be able to do offensively here. I don't really think there's a lot to be said about that. He's going to have to prove whatever it is that he's evolved on. But there's some good things that could come of this. It's just I hope that it's not, you know, the typical thing where it's like, well, that we've seen it in the past. Of course it's going to happen here. And then for whatever reason, there's always a reason. It just never transfers the way that it should. So we'll see. But I'm – cautiously optimistic for some of the pluses i think this makes a move for like van vliet or chris paul much more likely now at this point right like do you guys feel similar similarly because like I, you, that's I think, that's what i think personally Roy, i mean i i was listening to the low post the last week and royce young was on there and he was talking about how the thunder definitely don't want to like, they want value coming back if they're going to be moving Chris Paul. They're not looking to dump Chris Paul, especially after the year that uh, he just had. And, you know, and so – and it will continue to have in the bubble. But, like, um, you know, I, I wonder what the Knicks could realistically do to make a move for that. I have a feeling that Van Bleed's going to be pretty high on their list here. But, you know, I, I think that this front office is trying to move fast. So, I, I, I really wonder what that trade could look like if they even have some kind of a package that they would be able to put forward. I wonder if that if they, they would be expected they, they, to give up the pick this year. I mean, I, I don't know what they'd be expected to give up for Chris Paul. I think that's tough. I don't know that OKC is going to be particularly interested in Kevin Knox or, um, you know, really any of the young guys not named – Mitchell Robinson or RJ Barrett, probably RJ, you know, that I feel like that's what Knicks fans don't realize is like every trade talk, especially now after everybody's been so bad, it's pretty much going to start with, well, we want RJ. So talk us out of why you can give us right. something better than that. And it's going to, you know, it, it might be Mitch and a bunch of picks or it might be like, you don't know what. It's hard with the thunder and picks though. You well, wonder no, about so how actually, many more it's, they it's want not, to grab. It's sure. not going to be a bunch of picks for uh, OKC, but yeah, I was thinking more star in general. But like for OKC, yeah. it's I'm going to assume they're going to want a pick. You know what I mean? I, I don't know that they're going to really want to be offloading to us. It, it's this is to me like more like maybe we take some salary on for them. You know, like do we have to? What's a contract they want to get out of? Is Roberson still on a big deal? Unless he's on his last year. Is, yeah. is Ro- Roberson – like, I know Steven Adams had a big deal for a while. Yeah, but how much do you take back? This is what I mean. But this is this is, but this is is how you have to make a deal that makes sense for OKC. Because why would OKC do it? You know what I mean? If they don't want picks, they're not just doing it to help the Knicks out. So, it's like, what are – they don't want Kevin Knox. It's like – it's like, so, so what is it that they – they're going to get out of this. It's like, well, what's another favor you could do for us? You could take on some salary. So I don't know. 
that's about I'm interested to see because I know the CP3 the CP3 thing has been going on almost as long as the Tibbs thing. So I am interested to see if there's any real legs to that now that the Tibbs thing has landed. And I'm interested to see like what the initial couple packages are going to look like because I really don't know what the Knicks would have to give up in this unless the unless uh it really is enough for them to just offload a 40 million dollar contract so, and, yeah. and take on a young player like Kevin Knox, you know. The Chris Paul makes 38 million. Steven Adams, what is he currently making? His 2017 that I just pulled up quickly said, okay, so Steven Adams making $27 million. He's making a lot uh, of money. So you're looking at over $60 million in salary coming back in that trade. I just don't know how that's feasible. I, like I, It seems like to me you just kind of got to match salaries and give picks or something like that to them because I, I don't know a way in which the Knicks can pull off a deal like that. Right. Do we have do we do we have the salaries to match? I like salaries? you're talking about having to make like Bobby Portis opt in and shit like that. Like right. it'd be know, it'd, it'd be it'd be option. very it'd be very that's what I'm I'm very interested to see what they're doing with so many guys coming off the books because it's like that's a plus sometimes, you know, like it's a plus to be able to like reshuffle the deck with whatever the incoming free agent class is, but uh I, I don't know. Yeah, it'd, it'd be weird math to try to make that work now. But I don't, I'm just trying to think what, from like an OKC perspective, why they would want to do the deal with the Knicks. You know what I mean? It's right. Well, and that's a problem here when it comes to that. That's why I think somebody like Van Bleed may end up being the the more likely option to come out of here. Um, do we want to maybe talk about some players that are currently on the roster that uh, we think will do well under uh, Thibodeau? Because really, I'm try- I'm kind of just pivoting here to talk about Frank Nielakita. I oh, go ahead. I was I was thinking about it earlier. Julius Randle seems like a guy that Tibbs would love, doesn't he? Just just by ha- like how what, he plays. What, wouldn't I it be the know. most? Wouldn't it be the most Tom Thibodeau thing if like Julius Randle turned to like a, a two way, like <laughs> two way bruiser? Like if he was suddenly like like uh, like prime Carlos Boozer out of nowhere, right? Like like just just nasty. Like suddenly a brick wall on defense. You couldn't get by him. Nobody has any idea what happened over the summer. He's just suddenly a good defender. <laughs> I'm gonna have to see It'd be that nice. to believe it. I'm gonna have to see that to believe it, man. It's I don't I don't know if Randall has a drive for it, man. Like because how like he's gonna he's gonna try, but then how often is he gonna default into his like standard post spin and stuff like that? So, you know, like. I'm, I'm, I'd like to I'd like to bring up the same point that I bring up often for the miscast Knicks is that I feel like we often sign the B and C tier guys and ask them to be A tier guys and I mm-hmm. feel like like you could definitely see he was pressing this year and I feel like like he's generally been a pretty effective player even when people have thought some of his stats were empty like in New Orleans but I've never seen him like really spin into double teams and like really put his head down like he did this year so I really thought uh, a lot was probably being asked of him I don't know the game plan but that was just my general take of it but I he looks like a hard worker I'm interested to see, he's only what 25 like he's really not that old like you get him a good coach like there is time for him to like add more to his game you know and and be a little bit better but uh, I I do think Frank though would be the one that makes sense, but my stipulation there is that he would have to be playing a lot of point guard and not just the off ball wing nonsense that they they've done with for three years with him, where he's sometimes a guard but not really. Maybe a game here and then he's going to be a small forward for the you know two more weeks. So right. I, I think if if you that's an interesting project. That's something you could talk me into is is Thibodeau letting him take back on some kind of point guard duties real point guard duties in minutes and like seeing how he'll develop for a de- you know a defensive guard like that i think i think that could actually be something you could talk me into yeah i think the two biggest i think the two biggest are frank and mitch i would like like i was i was just thinking about that earlier and for some reason i just have an odd feeling that tibbs would like julius randall but i think the two biggest ones are obviously frank and mitch i think just just because of that i think if if that were the case where he is a starting point guard, I think it would be big for Frank just be, just for like you said, he it's it's stability for him. He's kind of all over the place. He really has had a role, has had a different role each month of each season he's played. He's had a different coach every season. So I think the biggest thing for him is here's your position, here's the minutes you're gonna play, here's what we want from you, here's your role. And I think if Tibbs were to give that and he's the point guard, we, we already know what he's going to do defensively. I think, I think that would go up. And then
and then just his his uh continuity and his chemistry with everybody else would just improve. And then the same thing for def or for defensively for Mitch. I just think one, he'd get more minutes, he'd learn a lot more, he'd probably learn a lot faster. And we see he's working, whether we like what we see or not. We know we know he's in the gym. He's he's a guy that wants to get better. He wants to be here. So I think those are the big are, are the two biggest uh Frank and Mitch. Yeah, I um those are kind of the two that are standing out the most to me. Like Frank, I'm just I'm just really curious to see if he, you know, is able to I mean, he's already such a high volume defender. I just kind of like want him to like be able to like I I I don't know if he's going to be able to pick up anything tangible from Tibbs at this point, but just getting him under the same eyes and the same, you know, like tutor tutelage that like Jimmy Butler got can't be a bad thing. So I'm just excited about that. I'm I'm excited to see what, you know, a little bit of this of that style of of coaching can do for him. Um, that I mean, he's the the player that I thought of immediately. Uh, you know, when we when I saw the hire today and. It's one of these things where now I'm starting to stipulate on it a little bit, and you know we'll see what actually you know if he could actually improve and hold on to that improvement, uh, you know this coming year. But you know he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, isn't he? Or is he going to be restricted? Um, he might be a restricted free agent. I think, of it. Right. but it could be. It could end up being a season where he still gets paid, and like we're going to have to consider that rather than you know the extension that we could have given him in the past. With Mitchell Robinson, I think you see at this point, he's the full-time center now. Um, I don't think there's really any question about it. I think he's going to be kind of unlocked to do his thing. I'm really interested to see how he looks, uh, you know, with this kind of coaching scheme and in this kind of defense especially. Like, that's going to be definitely exciting. And even R.J. Barrett to a degree, like, I am i don't know what we might be able to see, but I'm just like, I'm hoping that a little that just kind of a little bit of defensive acumen he can he can pick up from this because that would be I mean just we need he needs something else to go along with his game if he's not going to be a great shooter you know if he's not going to be the as great finishing inside as we thought he was going to be like then at the very least let's get him to pick up some defense and see where he can go from there but uh, you know how his growth looks in year two and year three moving forward from here that's you know going to be very exciting to me yeah so Last, my last note here is going to be on RJ, and then I want to get your guys' thoughts on the kid okie doke, and then we'll do the uh, mailbag real quick. Um, but uh, with RJ, I, I kind of just felt like the, the workhorse thing was like the easiest connection to make here. Like, I just thought, all right, well, he's already been a better facilitator than people, most people thought. Like, I was pretty bought into his playmaking, uh, I was argue, I argued a lot for him for that you know and a lot of that kind of translated with the worst offense and worst spacing in the league we still saw him making a lot of reads and a lot of good passes and a lot of assists so I'm encouraged by that and that's something that Tibbs has always kind of had as a wing oriented uh you know playmaker so so there's that you know then he's already a better defender not just as a rookie but like as an NBA player like he's actually a pretty solid NBA defender already you know like day one that was pretty nice and uh you know he uses his body well. He's physical. Again, it's just I could see a lot of his game just fits in well with Tibbs. He just has a very good all-around game. He likes to get to the rim. He likes to bruise you, bully you. I, I could just really – it just seems like the player that Tibbs would love. You know what I mean? If Again, assuming that RJ is part of whatever future they're envisioning and they're not just packaging up everybody and chipping them out for whoever the superstar is they're trying to obtain. So uh, if – that's part of the plan, then again, I can get on board with it. But I do think RJ, with all the potential that he has, does have the most probably to gain out of this. If it goes well, if Tibbs is seeing what I'm thinking that he's seeing and, and planning what I'm thinking that he could be planning, like I, I think it could be fun. But we'll see. So a lot of little pluses that we can hope for, but uh, a lot of things that we don't know. And with that, we have our mailbag coming up. Uh, our Zoom call here has three minutes and 55 seconds remaining. So I'm going to uh, go until this ends, and then we're going to pick it right back up with the rest of the mailbag. But I want to just start it off here, and then we'll take a quick break for a little ad. And then, uh, yeah. So from uh, Kobe Bean Burner, is Mitch a definitive starter now? 
Yeah, we covered the, he asked about Frank, but we covered the Frank stuff. Is he a definitive starter now? I mean, he better be. Like, I, I, they better have a good reason for him not to be next year. That's, that's, that's really all I have because there's really no, there's nobody in front of him unless, unless, uh, Tibbs, um, rekindles a flame with Taj Gibson or something like that. But, I don't. I don't see anything stopping Mitch next year as being the guy. Yeah, who you like? You know, even yeah, there's no reason. There's barely even any reason that. I mean, there's really no reason Taj Gibson should have been starting over Mitch, uh, Mitch this year. But like, you know, unless the Knicks end up going out and trading for you know Anthony Davis or something like that, or they sign Anthony Davis, like, you know, I, I don't. I don't see any way that. If they do go out and get a player of that caliber, I don't think Mitchell Robinson's still on the team at that point. I think he's moved in some kind of a move like that. And, you know, that would be the only scenario that I can see him not starting. Like, it doesn't make any sense at this point in year three for him, you know, for him not to be starting. And I think with the moves that he's making on his own, you know, like even hiring, you know, I think he he joined Clutch, right? Um, I think so. Yeah, so it's like, He's getting serious about his career. I think it's time that the Knicks, you know, got serious about him too. Yeah. Um, so a lot of you guys asked kind of similar questions about who's going to be, you know, who's going to benefit the most from Tibbs. Uh, and, you know, so looking for one more here. Um, well, you find should one, we another, – oh, go ahead. Another person we didn't talk about. I think, I think if, if Dotson can have a role – Mm. That would be a that would be a wild card for somebody that would fit what he wants three and D more spacer, uh, somebody that could just create the space for RJ and just play defense. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Uh, should we expect another prominent assistant to join and lead the offense? We've seen crazier things, right? We've had a defensive coordinator before. So, I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible. It's not outrageous. Right. I think, I think, I think when Tibbs was the assistant for the Celtics, I think he was technically the defensive coordinator. So that's not something that he's, uh, it wouldn't be foreign to him if that were to be some sort of offensive coordinator, if that's what they wanted to do. But, Personally, I think I think it's either going to be Mike Wood. I mean, uh, Mike Miller, or Mike Woodson as the assistant. That's just the feeling I have as the assistant. Or maybe they both get hired on in some role. But um, yeah, so that's 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 kind of what I think they may do some sort of or something else or get another prominent guy who just his role is just offense. But I think I I personally think it's going to be Mike Miller. Right. I, echo, I echo that. I think it's gonna, I think it's important to keep Miller around in some capacity too. I think he knows this roster fairly well, and I think that's going to be beneficial for their growth next year and kind of beyond that. And I think he's earned it. He did a good job this year. So, yep, uh, I agree. We're gonna pause right here real quick for an ad, and then uh, we're gonna come right back and wrap up the rest of the mailbag. And we're back to finish the mailbag segment here. Uh, so thanks for sticking with us, folks, so far in the Emergency Tibbs episode. I got Anthony Corbo and Aaron Summers with me. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just pick it back up. Can we hop over to this one right here from uh, at Craig 33 How do you guys think this impacts the strategy for the draft? I think if you're good – I remain – the vibes I get from this, like all their hires have been like action hires. Like to me, these aren't guys that you're waiting two or three years for something to maybe work out and build with, you know, like, so you get a Tibbs because you're going to get somebody in the draft somehow, some way. I think you have the extra picks. I think they're aware of that. You know, they can move up a little bit if they wanted to. So I think it affects the draft because it makes them probably a little bit more aggressive. They want to get Tibbs like another, top tier young talent that either a they could package to get a star or b just let them grow and play together if they're all you know going to be legit and for real so i think it's going to make them a little bit more aggressive i hope so that's that's my like hunch though with all the hirings that they've been given so far yeah i think i think they're a little bit more aggressive i think before tibbs they look point guard i think after tibbs they still look point guard um but I think they're just a little bit more aggressive just for pretty much the same things that Maggio just said. We got multiple picks. If you need to move up, you can. 
Um, but I think I think it just gives him a little bit more uh, more time to be aggressive and then just. But I think overall you're still looking the same thing. I think they still look point guard. I feel like I feel like for sure like they're gonna draft Lamelo or Cole Anthony. Like right. I feel like they want to add like their their point guard cherry on top big name prospect to go along with Tibbs this summer. I feel like yeah. that they're gonna trade up for one of them. It would it would be very on brand for that to be the case. So, which is still the case. Yeah, it's the same case as it was last year. I mean, you know, that's kind of why we ended up with R.J. Barrett versus somebody, you know, who is a little bit below that, maybe like a Garland or somebody like that, who, you know, may, you know, Jerry's still out on whether we'd made the right move in that case. But, you know, I don't, you know, there, I saw a lot of discussion as to maybe they might go for somebody else with R.J. And I think it's pretty clear in hindsight that they were always going to do R.J. Um, I think that this year it's probably going to be the same. I think it might be one of the two that you just mentioned, especially because, so I don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't know until the the lottery happens. But something in my gut tells me we're gonna fall. You know, probably around like th- you know three to five, or I guess that's where we can kind of be expecting to fall. And I think somebody who like you know maybe a Cole will be around there. You know, I think Lamelo's kind of like solidified himself in the top three at this point. Um, still got high hopes for Killian Hayes too. Um, I would like for them to consider him. Um, but yeah, it does seem that this this front office coaching uh, leadership team that we have here seems like it might want to have the tendency to get a little bit more of the star power versus the uh, the up and coming guy. So we'll have to see where we end up going there. Right, and if it's not if it's not a point guard, preferably Lamelo. I would love Denny. I would love to see Denny. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see Denny too. Um, I, I'm just curious in general to see what they're going to do now with, you know, I feel like they, they hired these big name front office or, you know, head coaching guys. And they want to, they seemingly want to bolster the assistant coaching staff too in similar fashion. So it's like, they seem like gearing up for something. That's why I feel like confident in saying they're going to like want to go up and get a LaMelo because they, obviously they've been tied to him a few different ways, you know, whether it's LeVar talking or little reports that drop that say that they're interested or not. So I like to think that that's the plan, right? Like they have a couple extra picks. They have Tom Thibodeau now. Like to them, their, their next piece is like, we got to go get Lomelo. So let's see where we shake out on the draft, use a couple of those picks, go up and get him if we have to, if it doesn't break our way, you know, maybe the team that picks the number one or two doesn't need Lomelo, doesn't want Lomelo. You don't know either. So it might be a situation. I mean, look what happened last year with the Pelicans getting Zion. Like that's it's wild. Like you never know who's going to end up at the, the one or you know top couple spots now with the the new lot a lot. So I just think uh, being in the green with assets is this is a good time for the Knicks to finally have that you know be able to say that, and this is a good time to you know put up or shut up to some degree. So we'll see. But I'd like to think that's going to be their mindset for a lot of things, whether it's draft or uh, free agents. Cause some of the questions we've gotten here too are about, you know, whether this is going to make them more attractive to free agents. Mm. I don't know attractive, but I, I hope aggressive. Like I hope that they're really aggressively trying to meet with guys and throw money at a lot of the, the top tier guys again. Like don't, don't BS me with the, we don't need to meet with Kawhi Leonard thing. Like we don't need to waste our time. Like just like, stop, it's like stop doing stuff like that. Like go, be a professional franchise. Like, go, go send World Wide West and Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau. Like, if you use them to throw their weight around, like, you should be aggressive. Throw a bunch of money at a bunch of people. Like, that's all that I'm really hoping comes out of this. Well, here's the other side of that, too. And this is a question from Megan Camacho where it says, if you were a younger player in the Knicks right now and you hear that you may have an opportunity to play big minutes next year, would you welcome that? Um, and I guess, you know, really would to say, do you think the players that are on the team right now are excited about this hire and excited about what their role is going to look like, um, you know, on the team next year and moving forward. I think RJ is probably the only one that may, maybe Mitch are probably the only ones that are going to be excited. Right. Because everyone else has never has had multiple coaches and inconsistencies. And I'm sure they're not really like probably thrilled with yet another guy coming in. That's going to tell them some new thing. And, you know, like, like Frank, who's had a zillion coaches, he's a point guard. He's not a point guard. He's now a forward. He's going to be a shooting guard. Like I, I, you know, Dotson's going to play like, right. He emerges. He's, he's, he's a walking 15 points off the bench on 40% shooting. Right. seems like a layup that they're going to play him. And then he starts riding the bench again. So it's like, I, 
I don't know if anybody's really going to be excited, man. They, they've a lot of these guys have been played inconsistently for multiple coaches for multiple, uh, you know, different regimes. I feel like it's tough to probably get excited unless you're like the new hot thing, which is RJ. Right. I think I think for them, most of them, it's it's sort of the mentality of I'll wait and see once we get the training camp, and that's 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 what I'm really gonna see whether. I'm excited or if I like this, because like you said, like they, they've all heard all different things, especially Frank, to your point, they've all heard different things other, other than the, other than RJ, because he's only had one coach, but they've all heard different things. So I think they're more than likely their mindset is going to be like, is maybe neutral and then just wait the, the closer they get to next season, the more they hear from Tibbs. I think that's when they're going to start having opinions and real feelings about how they, about what they think. Yeah, I'm just, I was just trying to count how many coaches uh, Frank Nielkina has had at this point. Well, it, it was it was Jeff Hornacek, right? That was where he started with. Yeah, he was just Hornacek, and then was Rambus also? Uh, the, no, Hornacek made it the entire his entire second year, right, and then got fired. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because yeah. the second year was the McBuckets year. Right. Yeah. So so yeah, but, it's been Hornacek, Fisdale. Mike Miller. So, I mean, that's not an unreasonable amount of coaches, I would say. I mean, like, he's only right. – I mean, for, well, given well, this for, team for the, for the Given Knicks, this team history, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, for, for a normal team that – for a normal franchise, that's a lot. Like, if you go through two coaches and two different styles in, in three or four years, right, think about, like, a for example, like a Jason Tatum. If his first two years was, like, Brad Stevens, and then after that it was another coach for two years. It would have been a little bit different, right? But it was like, imagine like the first year, like you get two years of one guy, you know, then you get half a season of another, a year of another guy. Like it just starts to become all over the place. Like you start to take in a new system, a new process, a new coach, a new philosophy. And then, okay, now you got to, this guy's out. We, you know, we tuned him out. He's fired. We got to do the whole process over again. It's just a lot to go through the motions that often that early in your career. Like you just got to the NBA. You're just trying to make some stuff happen. You want to get some opportunities. It's frustrating to, like, stop and go that way. So, four still a lot. Four still Did you know that David Fisdale won 21 total games with the Knicks? It's bad, man. I, I've never been more disappointed about a head coaching hire in my life. And that's saying something because I root for the Knicks, and I've only experienced head coaching disappointment. I've never – the bar was set so low for that guy. I was like, bro, we expect no real wins. All you have to do is just shoot more threes and play the kids. So, like, he played Kevin Knox, right? But then he also played Emmanuel Moutier. They shot no threes whatsoever. None. It was awful. I've, ne- I've never been so aggravated, man. Well, actually, can we, can we uh, pivot there? We got a question of will the Knicks manage to shoot both fewer three-pointers and at a worse percentage this year? Absolutely. I'm, curi- I'm curious as to, yeah, you guys think that that's, uh, this hire means that I, the Knicks I, are just punting on three-pointers at this point now? I don't, I don't believe that they're – this is like the the three point thing with the Knicks is just exactly like my superstars for uh, stance with the Knicks. I believe that they start shooting threes like a normal NBA team when I see it, and not a second before. Like yeah. that, it it's the most logic. It's been the most logical thing since they were ahead of the curve in 2012, right. 2013. Like, that's and, that's that's the weird part about with, it. Is you guys were ahead of everybody with, with yeah. Carmelo Anthony and Mike Woodson, known for their reliance on ISO ball. They were ahead of the curve with shooting a zillion threes a game. Melo was catching and shooting transition threes more than he's ever done in his life. We had too much and of then, a good thing. And then not only did they stop immediately with with that group, but then they said, "Well, you know what? We're just never going to go back to shooting. We're done." Despite it working out tremendously for us, we're See, done shooting threes I, for the. I, for, here's where I stop shooting threes, trade our best shooter, and just for the for the for the rest of I, the next, disgusting. Turn, we're just yeah. not going to shoot threes anymore. Yeah. When they yeah when when Novak was out of there, I was like, remember That's... how fucking spoiled we were with no with Novak and Jarrett Smith, and then the egregious Euphoric. thing is that we thought that we could replace Steve Novak with Andrea Bargnani and get the same production. And then you know we got scarred by Barnyani. Just I appreciate I appreciate you bringing that up in this pod. 
yeah, uh, after course. the after the rough week that I had with Andre yeah. Morgan. I was going to say Novak. I wasn't going to say his name. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I, bring, I'm bringing it. No, because that, cause that, I feel like that it's directly linked to that. The reason oh, why no. we don't shoot threes <laughs> is because we're so scarred by Bargnani not being able to do anything. I mean, here. I mean, what that a, Dolan was just sworn off of three pointers at this point. Now we don't need him. What a bum, man! Like, I mean, how bad? All over again. How bad do you have to be? as a professional basketball player like your one thing was like oh well he's tall and can shoot a little bit and then he he can't actually he was just tall like that was his thing he was just tall he was tall and italian that was it he did he did nothing well he did not rebound well he did not block well he did not shoot well he was not a good player just an awful i don't know i don't understand what anybody ever was looking at with the with the bargani treat ever it the, was the worst part about and we're gonna get off this subject in a second here too because this is we can't keep sticking around here but <laughs> The the worst part about that whole thing is that I think people forget we still had Amari Stoudemire on the roster at that point too. Like we were still paying Amari Stoudemire to play the same role. In, impo- impossible levels of stupidity from that, just exuding yeah. from that franchise at that time. But um, we have anything else in here from tortured but hopeful Knicks fans? What's the best method to learn how to spell his last name? Google. Uh, just Google yeah. it. Uh, that's what I do. I Google everything because uh, people on the internet will yell at you for uh, having fat thumbs and typos. So, uh, <laughs> you know, make, make sure you Google everything. Uh, double and triple check it. That's the only advice that I can really give you. But on that note, we will uh, wrap up. Oh, last thing, actually, I want to ask you guys. The Jason Kidd thing. Oh, the, yeah. the Jason Kidd thing was very obviously the the PR stunt okay because and I I, I want to bring this up because on the pod a couple of weeks ago I was talking to Mike about this specifically I said they they're interviewing all these extra head coaches which is good actually it's a good PR move to interview all these head coaches to look because a you should do your due diligence and b it should look you, you know you should tell people when you're a bad franchise that you're doing good things so either way it was a good thing right the Jason Kidd thing was like right in line with the PR play because the Thibodeau thing came out right for a few months. Everyone's rolling their eyes, same old Knicks. They're just trying to hire a big name. So then they do the big to do. And then they found the one candidate we'd all hate, not just worse than Tom Thibodeau, but more than Mark Jackson. They found the guy that we all hated the the collective Knicks. We agree on nothing. Right. But like generally it it seemed like an overwhelming percentage of Knicks fans were like, we do not want Mark Jackson. There was like one or two couple of strong truthers out there, but most everyone's like, we don't want that guy, like for a number of reasons, right? But Jason Kidd was the only body below that where everyone like unanimously was like, we don't want that guy. So it just seemed a little bit funny to me how, of course, it comes out that he's not only in the mix, but suddenly he's a finalist. Oh, no. And then it's like, and eh, Tom Thibodeau has a five-year deal. Ah, see, it wasn't, that, it wasn't so bad, right? Ah, look, Tom Thibodeau, he's not Jason Kidd. That's what it seemed like. That's what it yeah. seemed like. But but it was weird because even in the article, it just like what they said didn't even make sound like he was really the front runner. It sounded like they just couldn't get to a contract agreement with Tibbs, but they were just like, fuck it. Let's just say for the headline, Jason Kidd's the front runner just for that reason, for when Tibbs is hired. It just looks a lot better because it's not him and it's not Mark Jackson. Well, the real uh, fucking PR stunt to me was just the uh, was they I, somebody said something like there was over a dozen candidates that were going to be interviewed for the next head coaching role, and that you had like you know I don't know how many times I heard reporters saying that the Knicks are doing due diligence in their search for a head coach and so like, obvious and uh, oh so obvious yeah, everyone like knew he, from the start like they wanted this guy for years and now they're gonna go after him they're gonna you know they're gonna get him like it's it's just yeah the and then to wait so many weeks to announce it and everything but, but and, did you, know, did yeah. you see like the the range of the reports though like i saw one report last night uh that ca- caught my eye i was wondering if you guys saw it where it was like uh you know Though Jason Kidd is a finalist, like Nick still want to sign Tom Thibodeau, dash, if they can. Like, like he might be off the table now. And I was like, the, the <laughs> theatrics we're doing here for this, right. like, uh, like, yeah. like unbelievable. Bro, like, we know you're signing this guy. Like, we called the, the pod like three weeks ago. I was like, just announced Tibbs already. Like, we knew you guys were doing this. Like, it's fine that you were doing it. You guys went to extra lengths to really sell us in a couple of different ways. But, like, just – it's over now, finally. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful the kid thing died down. There's nothing less than I wanted the Jason Kidd 
telling R.J. Barrett, no, actually, you don't need to shoot threes in the NBA. Uh, that's not a thing you need to do anymore. Work on just, you know, still just get to the rim. Like, what a silly thing. It was going to be terrible. I'm, I'm glad uh, there's another report right after that. LeBron is a, like a wants him in LA still wants Jason Kidd in LA. Good, keep him there. Yeah. Just keep him. Th- thank you, King. Thank you. All right. <laughs> keep him over there. I, what a ridiculous! It was ridiculous. We even had to do the song and dance. That's what bothered me. It's Jason Kidd. He's not even a good coach. He's not even a good coach. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Because he's like pretty much like failed at every stop he's been in. Just a bad coach. He's really not that good. The only thing you can really say is he let Giannis roll the ball and get out there. That's it, right? Like, he, he started that for Giannis, like, in fairness, right? But didn't really do a lot in terms of development from there. Didn't have a lot of success from there. And even if it was, it's been, what, moderate with the Bucks initially kind of overperforming with Brandon Knight? Like, it was moderate. It wasn't anything wild. You know, it was like a nice little first-round appearance. Like, moderate it wasn't anything wild so to me that's the, the crazy thing is like everybody's giving him this like unearned treatment just off of his name alone like he's had off-court issues too i like to bring up like let's not forget as a nick oh as yeah a nick it was like as the a first, nick the first week he signed he signed uh signed a contract he got a dui right he got a dui crash his car like what <laughs> what do you what is happening like why are we like just ignoring all, all the stuff that comes with him he's like strong arming teams he's not even a good coach he's like strong arming the nets like like what i, I didn't understand any all, any any of this any of this that has to do with jason Kidd. i don't get the aura around him yeah. that, he just seems to lose interest very quickly too, and then get very destructive when he wants out of somewhere. So I, you know, we didn't really need to deal with all that. Yeah, maybe fit right in, to be honest. But that's yeah. not. It, it's neither here nor there. I, I'm glad. I'm we got to try to get better. Is the problem. <laughs> I, I'm glad we don't have Jason Kidd. I, I would like the top, whatever couple of positives that might be able to come from the Thibodeau thing. I hope they come to fruition. I, I yeah. look. I mean, at some point, this has got to. End, right like at some point we got to run into someone who right. unexpectedly turns things around so I, as always like never want to sound like a hater like we're hoping for things to go wrong we're, for Tom Thibodeau I'd like to believe that he magically learned his lesson and whatever lessons are uh, work for RJ Barrett and these young Knicks but it remains to be seen and it will be quite some time before we see the Knicks play again so until then uh, stay tuned to the Knicks the Knicks Wall podcast uh, you know subscribe rate and review helps us keep doing this uh, thank you to Anthony for coming back on. We appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure Good the people are going to be happy to hear from you again. Good to talk to my people. It's been a while. And uh, Aaron, while. as always, thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, basically it for you guys. Uh, we're now presented by Whistle Sports, so make sure you're following Whistle on all platforms. And that's it. Talk to you guys next time. Let's go, Tibbs.